as Black History Month ends, we have to do an episode about different subjects. And one of the subjects that I picked is fashion. Fashion is something that Black culture has had for decades. It's been influenced not only North America, but the whole world through hip hop, soul, R&B, and different genders of the African-American community in the United States and Canada. Today, we're gonna speak a little bit about Afrocentric fashion, Black fashion in America, and different subjects. And we're gonna talk to an entrepreneur in St. John, New that actually is making fashion herself and she's an immigrant from Nigeria and it's pretty cool how her journey started and what she's doing right now so hope you like it and let's start the show What's up and welcome to another episode of Black and the Maritimes. I'm Fidel and today we're going to talk about black fashion and especially the incidence of black fashion in the world in North America and here in Atlantic Canada. So before we get into it, we want to know a little bit more about fashion with people that kind of know what they're talking about because again i'm not the best fashion guy so i had to kind of research do this so i have a clip here from afrocentric it's a channel on youtube which is pretty good i hope you check it out it's called uh, afrocentric network and he describes a whole bunch of things about afro latinos afro culture afro african americans european africans it's pretty cool and he makes a, a brief summary of 322 years of african-american fashion so Check this out, and again, it's, it's really delightful to hear. From the 1700s to the 1800s, most African-Americans who were on the fields wore light, cotton, loose clothing. These clothes were low in cost to make, durable, and were easy to wash. Most clothing would be made by a seamstress or imported into the country. Blacks in the cities had a little more access to better materials and clothing especially if they were house slaves. If you were not a free man, your clothing would depend on your owner's wealth. Sometimes enslaved blacks would even wear wigs if their owner did too and was very, very wealthy. Many women wore long dresses, aprons, and bonnets. Once slavery was abolished, at least on paper, many black women would dress like their white counterparts. These dresses would showcase more buttons and stitching. Covering up at this time was normal for all women. In the 1900s, fashion would move forward with less conservative European colonial wear. The 1910s would bring in long gowns, straight hair, feathers, long gloves, long sleeves, denim, and jeans for longer hours at work. The 1920s would move to extravagant wear. Cigarette holders, such as the ones known in France, became popular. It was common to see women smoking with long cigarette holders, especially wealthy women. Extravagant furs were also popular in this time. Dresses would become more decorative with flares and beads. The 1930s saw African-American communities enlarge wear long coats, zoot suits, and chains with watches on the end of them. 1940s would be dominated by makeup, shoulder pads within the clothing, shorter skirts at knee level, women wearing pants, 
and zoot suits being banned. The 1950s would usher in suits being casual wear. African-American men would differ from their white counterparts. Add-ons like flashy belts, glasses, and watches would be used to spice up a suit while also inserting a natural cultural evolution of the black culture. In the 1960s, short hair, sleeker dresses, a style of hats or felt hats would all make up this time period and historical events happening at this time. This period was more simplicity overall, with the next decade waiting quietly to roar. The 1970s would come out in style. Disco, the hippie lifestyle, and funk is what the younger people love. The best electric guitar player to ever live, Jimi Hendrix, would help make trendy jean jackets, silk shirts, and vests very popular. Bell-bottom pants and stringy fringe on end of shirts and jeans was popular as well. The 1980s would bring in the colorful generation. Big puffy jackets, gold chains, big gold accessories, t-shirts with brands and slogans, fanny packs, huge earrings, big hair, scrunchies, and a return back to natural hair for some of the population. Hip-hop culture, created in the mid to late 70s, would also have a hold on the Black youth of America. Even if you were not Black, many others wanted to dress, experience, and live the inner-city culture. African-American hip-hop fashion would influence the world with combinations, colors, and coolness that would continue to guide Black fashion in America till today. The 1990s would continue 80s style with a tweak. Long traditional braids, along with new created styles, would be worn by many Black women. Bandanas, flat top hats, backward hats, gang fashion, backward t-shirts, in and out t-shirts, army boots, boomboxes, walkmans, and CD players were all part of everyday fashion. Many people would not leave the house without their boombox, and also leaving without their Walkman, which a lot of them matched up their Walkman with the color of their outfit. The mid to late 90s would show more restraint on colors and darker earth tone versions of a color were very common. The 2000 to 2010s would see baggy jerseys, futuristic glasses, modern contemporary business fashion with a hint of futurism, Kango hats, tube tops, sidekick cell phones, two-way pagers, and basketball shoes were all part of the fashion. Biker jackets, army pants, name-plated custom chains, airbrush shirts, sports bras with outfits, and a mix of colorful colors and earth tone colors would rule this decade. Velour tracksuits and brands like Baby Fat, Sean John, Rockaware, and FUBU was all part of the African-American fashion experience. The 2010s to 2022 seems to see a continuing trend with balance between simplicity, vintage, and hints of the future. Jeans and shirts are commonplace amongst the population now. Streetwear and vintage clothing with hints of the future seem to be the norm. Cell phones are not as much part of the fashion like they were in the 90s, but hints of technology like Apple Watches or earbuds can complement one's fashion. 
Comfortable clothing, sometimes sold by high fashion lines, can be a normal. Past fashions, especially from the 90s and early 2000s, mixed with a modern style can be seen. Colors are still here, but subdued by flat colors, denims, and dresses above the knee. As you can see, black fashion comes from 100 years, more than 100 years ago, from Africa to the slavery, through the 1900s, through the birth of hip hop, which made it mainstream. And then manufacturers started noticing and took advantage of it and, you know, commercialized it. And people like Dapper Dan didn't get their credit, but now they do uh, how he did things with Gucci and things like that. So Dapper Dan is, uh, if, you, if you want to know more about him, uh, definitely check him out. Uh, in YouTube, there's a lot of information and documentaries about him. Uh, it's pretty amazing how everything has come for cir Circle. And there's a podcast about him, too, uh, which I think it's called Mogul, if I'm not mistaken. And that's a pretty good reference to know about Dapper Dan. Uh, but now we're going to head into our uh, fashion scene here in Atlantic Canada. In Atlantic Canada, there are a couple of black fashionistas and people doing a lot of Afrocentric work. Uh, United Colors of Fashion in St. John. And there is another uh, seamstress, and she's a fashion designer, uh, Tuki T Designs. So I saw her on Instagram, and I saw the colors and everything that she was doing. And it, it amazed me. So I had to interview her. So I contacted her and I said, okay, let, let's know more about you and what you're doing and, and how you got inspired by all of these things. And definitely check her out. It, it's definitely something cool that she's doing, especially in women's clothing. And, you know, I had to know more about her and how the black community in St. John is helping her get her work out there. So hope you like the interview. We have uh, Rukaya or Ruki. She is the owner of Ruki Tea Designs in St. John. Uh, she does very tailored clothing, and, and it's pretty cool clothing, actually, which I'm, we're going to talk about that in a bit. Hi, welcome. Hello. Thank you for having me here. Yeah, I really I really like what I saw on Instagram, and shout out to the to uh, the New Brunswick Black uh, Entrepreneur Community, which I know, you know, uh, uh, well, BBPN, which I'll, I said the their short name they i i follow them so that's how i found you so uh okay. welcome so uh tell us about you like where, where do you come from and uh where do you come from and you know how was your childhood like where you come from mm, thank you very much yeah my name is Rukaya Tolani. i'm a fashion designer and i started my business back home from nigeria so oh, wow so yeah. so you have it way back in nigeria so how long you've been running the business I've been running. I've been running the business for like five years now. Oh, cool! So Nigeria, what part of Nigeria? Lagos. Yeah. <laughs> what oh, do wow. you know so about Lagos? <laughs> yes, uh, I well, basically, I I know a lot about uh, Nigeria. is the the biggest country in Africa. It's the most populated. Uh, Lagos yes. is one of the biggest cities, and and you know what what happens in Nigeria when it comes to fashion, music trends, and art trends kind of runs over Africa. So whatever is a trend there, it kind of expands into the whole continent. So <laughs> uh, it's a pretty vibrant place. So so how was that growing up in Lagos? Ah, growing up in Lagos was cool. If you grow up in Lagos, you'll be a fashionista, you know, because Lagos is just like Toronto. It's a busy city with a lot of people with like highest population in Nigeria, like you said. Uh -huh. And there are a lot of things, a lot of opportunities in Lagos. 
So were you into fashion always or was it something that you you kind of got into it as you growing up or was it something that you were early as a child you were doing those things? Yeah, growing up during the uh, summer holidays, my dad always liked us to be engaged with something like uh, all this underwork. So I choose the uh, fashion designing. So when I was in high school, during summer holidays, I usually go and stay with some entrepreneurs who are fashion designers to learn how to do it. So after graduating and I got married immediately, after graduating from university, I got married and after getting married, I just told my husband, you know what? I need to follow my passion. I want to go to fashion school to learn fashion designing. And my husband said, no problem if that is what you want. So that was how I decided to go to fashion school for two years. And I learned the fashion design. And after graduating, I started practicing. I started the business right in my home in Lagos. So after practicing for like a year, then we decided to relocate to Canada in 2018. That was how. We came here in 2018, January, and 2020, I decided to continue my business in Canada. Oh, wow. So what what did you do before fashion? Like, like what were you studying in university and stuff? Like, what was the plan before fashion Yeah, school? I studied in university. I studied surveying and geoinformatics, like GIS. Oh wow! So that's like that, that's that's like way that's in the other front. That's like math, engineering type of things. Yeah, with geography. Wow! And what made you what made you go there? Like, what what made you study that? Um, actually, I like uh, male courses, like difficult things. <laughs> okay, well, that's pretty cool. So, uh, so. In that sense, like what what was the decision of coming to Canada? Like why why did you did you decided to emigrate uh Canada out of out of all places, Atlantic Canada, which is it's you know, from Lagos to St. John, it's a it's a big, big difference. Yes. Yeah, my husband and his colleague, right from Nigeria, decided to relocate to Canada when the Canada started this um Atlantic uh, Immigration Pilots Program. So they decided to relocate to apply for the program, the for Express Entry, sorry. So we started the Express Entry Program and we got a provincial nomination from the government of New Brunswick. And that was how we decided to come to New Brunswick. And after then, my husband Google, he checked the website the online to check for, to look for cities in New Brunswick. And he decided to stay in St. John. So I said, no problem. If that is what you want, then we decided to come to St. John. And ever since I moved into St. John, I love it because St. John is a quiet city. No traffic. It, it is no traffic. Is not high. No traffic. And the cost of living is not high. And do you know what attracts me most? What is the it? People the people of St. John are very nice. As in they are fantastic. Yeah, the the it, the maritime uh, hospitality is pretty good here. And also, I yes. mean, and this is what people tell me all, all the time when they go to big big places in Africa or Asia. There's no motorcycles. <laughs> There's no motorcycles <laughs> or scooters running around. Uh -huh. Everywhere. Yeah, yeah, that's true. 
<laughs> that was something that that's that so so going back to to Nigeria how is the fashion scene there like how how is it there uh that kind of motivated you to go to to fashion school like how are things how do things move down there yeah what motivated me to go to fashion school is passion for making a dress or doing something that I can produce and people will see it on me or something I can do for people and I can see it on people and to make them happy. Because growing up, because I'm like short, so getting uh, pants for myself is kind of difficult. When I see my size, it might be too long or too short. So I decided to go to fashion school so that I can make clothes for myself and my family. But after I graduated from fashion school, I decided to start a business. I know it's something that if I make clothes, because right from fashion school, when I make clothes for my for other students or even my husband, people who admire it, a lot of them. So I decided to make for people like my niece. I started with my nieces and my nephews, my kids, my mom. Then with time, I started making clothes for neighbors and friends. Oh, nice. That, that sounds like a pretty, pretty good. So I see that when I, one of the things that attracted to me about your style is like it's very colorful. There's a lot yeah. of colors going around. There's a lot of patterns going around. It, what, why is like, how does that come? Where does that come from? Yeah, it comes from me because I love colors. I love colors. Yeah. So I decided to bring oh, wow. in colors to my design. Any designs I want to make, I like to make it colorful so that it will be attractive. Oh, I see that. Now, uh, I do see like in, in again, Atlanta, Canada is a small, small place. So I do see people like United Colors of Fashion, which they do some in St. John. They do like a fashion show every year. And there's a couple of people doing things here and there, but it's not exactly like a a, a growing, booming area. Have you had support from people, uh, from entrepreneurs and other people liking what you're doing in, in the area? How has how's the reception been? Yeah, it's been very wonderful. I've had support from um, BBI, the Black Business Initiatives. They are very supportive. They've been helping my business, both financially and uh, helping me with advice, especially the lady that is representing BBI. Her name is Jocelyn Stevens. Please, if you see her, Help me to say thank you to her on my behalf, please. She has been very wonderful. She has the listening ears. She always listens to everything I tell her, and she showed me the way. And UCOF is also a good platform for fashion designers, especially the ladies that are, um, that organize the UCOF. They are wonderful. They are, the ladies, Rufina and Christine Iruko. They are wonderful ladies. They have black business owners as well with advice on a lot of things. So that's all I can say. And there's another platform, NCAB. NCAB is meant for the Nigerians in New Brunswick. It's an association though. So they have uh, business owners as well. And there's also black, uh, I think there's another group, we call it BBPN. 
it's also for black business owners. So they are helping too with informations. So those are the things I've been getting and I'm trying to do uh, volunteering in different um, organizations so that I can give back to society. Yeah, shout out to them. I, I ha we have interviewed, you know, the people of UConf and uh, BBPI. I think they they're doing great works. So, uh, BBI is also doing great work in Atlantic mm -hmm. Canada. I think I think those those organizations are pretty important, especially for newcomers and and people of color that they need the help and they don't know where to go. Uh, yeah. It's definitely a, a good support system for them to to sustain on and and move forward to it. So. Definitely shout out to that. Those are definitely good resources. And you know, what do you hope to to accomplish in your business? Like, what's your what's your goal with your business and what you're doing with your fashion and your art per se? Yeah, my goal is to be a well recognized fashion brand in Canada and US. Yeah. Oh wow. Well recognized, yes, African fashion designing in both countries. Uh, worldwide oh wow so so what are the future plans like the immediate plans what are you trying to do now or if people want to buy your clothing or if people want to know more about you where do they go to yeah my plan is to develop my website so that i can launch my website and people can order my designs worldwide that's one of my plans and i'm still working on marketing so that's I have my designs on, if I can have my designs on Amazon and other web page. Yeah, Etsy is pretty good on that too. I know Amazon, Etsy, and other, even Walmart right now, like you can give and get your online platform or uh, online store to Walmart, which is, uh, it's quite easier now than, than pretty good the other oh, day. So, I don't mind if I can get a help. I mean, thinking of that too, to get a spot in Walmart so that I can showcase my stuff there and people can easily go to Walmart and get my designs, especially the African designs. But I do casual too. I do casual ways and corporate ways, not just the Afrocentric designs. I also do red carpet designs and also men's ways and kids' ways as well. Oh, no, no, definitely. I mean, uh, I think uh, they, they have a it's same as Amazon. They you can you can put like your or your like an online vendor in Walmart.ca and in Amazon, and you can sell your stuff there, uh, which is pretty convenient to do. So, uh, we'll talk that behind the scenes after. <laughs> if you need any help with that, we're more than happy to to help you with that. So, uh, if people want to find you right now, where do they go to to check your designs and and contact you? Yeah, they can contact me via my Instagram page. And on my Instagram page, I have my phone number there. And also, I'm planning to launch my website very soon, probably next month. Oh, wow. So that's, that's pretty cool. I can't wait to see that. So, uh, Rukia or Rukia, I really want to thank you. I, I know you, you know, you, you told me you have a, a 10 month old son. So it's a, it, a it's a little bit of a challenge. <laughs> daughter. Okay. Sorry yes. about that. <laughs> so you know thank you for being here and and i wish you the best and you know if anything we we're here for you okay all right thank you very much thank you so much you have a good one peace